The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Um, this is what I call freedom. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad.
All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Glad you're out there. Glad you're listening. Or I wish you were listening if you're not, but <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that uh, a lot of you are listening. And that's, that's a great thing for the George Wilder Jr. Show because we do appreciate all of that. And wow, it's a great day in the city of Chicago. It, it feels like summer. For the last week or two, it actually has been feeling like summer in the city of Chicago and and spring well the calendar says spring okay but uh, I think for the last three maybe two to three years it's been in the city of Chicago I can't speak for nowhere else because I'm not a weather person but in the city of Chicago it's been from um winter to summer they're talking about 90 degree weather here <laughs> 90 degrees and it's the spring and it's been like that in, in chicago for about two to three years because i remember uh, might be more uh that we haven't seen a spring in the city of chicago it goes from one extreme to the next it's weird man um it's almost as if you can't tell the seasons, the four seasons, not the singers, the four seasons, winter, summer, spring, fall. It, it's, it seems as if you uh, can't tell them apart anymore. The weather is whatever it is, whatever shows up. And we know that these folks on television who claim they know, know about weather and, and always trying to predict this and predict that, and some of them don't do pre they don't predict. They they tell you exactly what's going to happen, and we know that these folks cannot get it right. I think we're the only country in the civilized world that have meteorologists that can't get the shit right. I mean, I was discussing this with a um, with an acquaintance, and you know, we was talking about the same thing. I mean, we were on the same page when it came to meteorologists. And their uh, thoughts on the weather, trying to tell us what's going to be here, what's going to be. And one of the things I notice about some of these meteorologists, when the weather is fine and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous, they try to take credit for it. They try to take credit for it. But when it's raining and storming and cold and day, from one day to the next, they're, they're running away from that. Uh, you hear some of them say, well, I'm only the messenger. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how these guys and girls get paid not knowing the weather or getting it wrong so many times. I mean, you see these little little nice looking, beautiful looking young ladies up there in front of a uh, uh, a map of the United States and the power Doppler and all of that kind of crap telling you what's the weather like all over the, you know, America and, and instead of just focusing on the state that they're in. Or the city that they're in, uh, and, and if you go from one channel to the next with the weather, there's always, uh, you know, the possibility that these guys and girls are not on the same page, you know. And I'm gonna tell you something, folks. The way I tell the weather, you know, how I how I tell the weather, I just go and look out the window. I I look at what people is, I look at what people is wearing for that particular time. I said, well, well, um. That person has on a coat, so it must be cold. Oh, this person wearing shorts and her breasts are out. It must be really warm. But you, but I've learned uh, years ago that that's not accurate either. 
because a lot of people dress skimpy in cold weather, you know, because that's the way they like it. And a lot of these girls be wearing uh, leggings out here in 20 below weather. And that's funny. I mean, they're wearing leggings when it's freezing. And you look at some of these young ladies walking down the street wearing these leggings when it's 20 below zero. And they they look as if they're not cold. They try to pretend like they're not cold. Give me a break. You're freezing your ass off wearing those things. You know, uh, so that's not a good way to predict what's going on outside it just by looking out of your window because some people do not dress for the weather. And then you have some people who actually overdress. But I'd rather overdress for 20 below zero than underdress for it, you know. Uh, but it's 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 great in the city of Chicago. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It it feels like summer, not spring, and that's the weird thing about it. It's almost scary. It's so beautiful out here. And wherever you are in the world, I truly do hope that you are experiencing some of the things that we're experiencing in the city of Chicago. Great, great weather. It's so nice to see people up and out and about enjoying themselves getting themselves some sun that is one of the greatest things in the world uh especially when you have especially the seniors to see the seniors get up get out of the house a lot of them are retired they're on a fixed income uh get up up out of the house you know get out and enjoy the weather even if they're going to the park or over here to the lake front um it's great to see seniors i mean what i'm saying anybody 55 and older I mean, I, it's great to see seniors out here um, uh, enjoying the weather or just walking. A lot of the seniors out here walking their dogs. And it's healthy. And and I would say to any senior, you know, if you're living alone, you don't want to live alone because living alone can uh, decrease your life expectancy. I mean, get yourself a pet, a nice pet, and just walk the pet every day. Uh you know, get the blood flowing. You could, you're going to be great, especially out here in this wonderful, wonderful weather. Oh, wow. It is so great. It It is so beautiful. <laughs> I'm sitting in my studio wishing wishing that we were out there with the rest of the folks just enjoying the weather. But we will be. All right. Uh, you've been listening to this is the George Wilder Jr. Show. My tongue is sort of tired, tied. All righty. What's going on today? Trump. Hints at Parton Palooza. This guy is just partnering everybody. I mean, if you haven't heard about it, I'm pretty sure you will if you're following Trump. I mean, who cannot? You have to be following Trump because he's always doing something dumb. And parting, parting all these crooks and criminals and putting them back out on the street tells you one thing. This guy does not believe in American laws. He's putting the thug back out here on the street. And the guys who are going to jail in his administration, uh, they're they going to feel good about going to jail. Why? Because they know that Trump is going to get their asses out. <laughs> Trump doesn't give a damn about the American laws. He just doesn't. you know. And it's a shame. It's a shame that he is putting these crooks back out on the street. Uh, and the ones, as I just got through saying, and the ones that are about to go to jail, like his lawyer, Michael Cohen, uh, Trump is going to get him out. I mean, Trump is abusing his power. He's overdoing it. 
he he he's making America more unsafe and he even from the beginning he's making America more unsafe but you can't tell that to this idiot um yeah he he's pardoning a lot of folks and and that's wrong uh, let me see what this article is talking about okay trump's pardons may send a message to allies caught up in in the russia uh investigation of course it's going to send a message you go to jail if you if, if you uh if you're kissing my ass if you're loyal to me and you wind up end up in jail i'm going to help get you out this is what he's saying trump pardons may send a message to allies caught up in the in the russia investigation the president continues to continues a pattern of granting politically oriented pardon pardons after major news break in the federal investigation in his campaign yeah of course i didn't finish reading that but i know what they're talking about they're talking about um in some ways they're talking about what i just got through mentioning is that uh uh trump said basically trump is saying don't squill on me uh don't don't say anything don't talk don't sing <laughs> uh just don't give me give me up and go to jail set your sentence and believe me, I'm going to get you out. I'm going to set you free because I'm going to pardon you. Basically, that's what it's saying. That's what Trump is saying. There isn't a day that, that doesn't go by Trump is not obstructing justice. That is, there isn't a day that doesn't go by that he doesn't give the special counselor, Robert Mueller, who is, who is investigating him in Russia, in his Russia uh, 2016 election, there isn't a day that doesn't go by Trump doesn't give the special counsel, counselor ammunition to go after his ass. That's all he does. He, right here, he's, a, he's obstructing justice. He's saying, hey, be quiet, don't talk, don't say nothing, do not throw me under the bus, take your Take your uh, medicine, go to jail, and I will get you out. I will pardon you. This is what Trump is doing. Because Trump doesn't give a damn about American law. He doesn't give a damn about anything. The thing is that, the thing here is that Trump doesn't want to go to jail. And he doesn't want to lose his job. He wants to stay in power. He will do anything and everything to stay in power, not to go to jail. Anything and everything. And now this is just another layer uh, on the cake. And it's awful. It is totally awful. He's going to pardon. He's sending a message to everybody who is in, caught up into this Russia mess who is being questioned by Robert Mueller, the special counsel. Uh, uh, he's basically saying, uh, if you give me up, if you don't give me up, and you you... You lie under oath, you commit perjury, you go to jail, I will get you out of jail. I will pardon you. This is what Trump is saying. Right now, he's pardoning a lot of people who uh, should be in jail, Who sh a lot of people who should stay in jail. Just, week, just weeks after the federal prosecutor in the Russia investigation raided the home of former Trump campaign chairman, 
Chairman uh, Paul Manafort last year, President Donald Trump pardoned politically ally and fellow birther, birther Joe, yeah, yeah, Joe uh, Arpero. Yeah, he pardoned this guy. This guy is a known thug and a known racist. I think he's he's based somewhere over in Arizona, and he can't stand immigrants. He wants to write some new laws, keeping them, deporting them, and you know, making sure they have uh, uh, if, if they don't have IDs or something to that effect. But anyway, he pardoned this guy. Yeah, and within days of his personal lawyer's offices being searched in April, Trump pardoned Lewis Scooter Libby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This guy was caught up in the 2007 perjury and obstruction of justice conviction for his role in disclosing uh, the name of a CIA agent, Trump Freedom. And uh, this this was just years ago, but and I was after revelations that a former FBI official had turned over a p- potentially damaging memo to special counsel Robert Mueller. Trump on Tuesday morning announced his pardon of a conservative activist. Wow. Dinesh DeSalva. Man, crooks. Uh, setting the new case apart from the others, D'Souza had actually pleaded guilty to charges against him. He pleaded guilty. He said, yeah, I'm guilty. And then Trump goes and pardons him, lets him free, even though he admit breaking the law and deserving to go to jail, and Trump pardons him. It's it's almost too hard to fathom. You know what I'm saying? It's almost too hard to fathom. Making his pardon, say Trump critics, a clear sign of the handful of former Trump aides have, who have pleaded guilty in the Russia probe and are now cooperating with Mueller and his team. Excuse me. <coughs> the president is sending a blazing signal to his surrogates and associate, associates that they will be rewarded if they stay loyal. I just got through saying that, I'm, and I'm reading it right now. They will reward it if they stay loyal to him. And if they end up in jail, he's going to get them out. This is crazy. This is crazy. This guy, the crooks, the crooks. He's, he's, I mean, he's saying this also to the members of Congress. If you should go to jail, stay loyal to me. Don't, do not impeach me. Uh, uh, take your uh, sentence. Take your punishment. But, hey, I will get you out. Hmm. A senior White House official who spoke on the condition condition of anonymy denied D'Souza pardon was a message to anyone. Every, anything, it was a message. But anything Donald Trump does, it's a message. It's a message. And the guy's saying, no, 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 not at all. We know how they lie, right? It was a message. He's sending a message to everybody, people in Congress, uh, people who are talking to Mueller saying, don't tell him nothing. Basically what he's saying is, is be quiet, shut up, don't say anything. And if he sends you to jail for, and if you lie, uh, 
and you end up in jail on on a perjury charge, I will get you out with a pardon. This is Donald Trump. This is really sad, folks. This is sad. This is not America. This guy just cannot go around letting letting these crooks out of jail. He loves power. He loves his power. And basically, he's doing this to try to stay out of jail. As I mentioned before, Donald Trump will do anything. He'll sell his own mother to stay out of jail and to stay in power. He doesn't give a damn. As I've said before, this is totally obstruction of justice. And he is always, he's, he's stupid, he's dumb, because if he wasn't stupid and dumb, he wouldn't be always in criminal. Mueller is going to take Mueller maybe two or three years to get done with this investigation because Trump is always providing him with more uh, evidence of his guilt. Trump is always providing him more evidence with with his guilt. And Trump thinks that the Robert Mueller, the Department of Justice, the FBI, he thinks he thinks uh, that these people are stupid. He thinks that they're crazy. He thinks that they really don't know what they're doing. And he knows better. They're going to prove that they know what they're doing once his ass is in handcuffs. Because I've always said impeachment is not good enough. And for for Trump, excuse me, for his crimes, Trump's crimes, he should be in jail, prison. Impeachment is not good enough. It's not good enough. Uh... And also, uh, um, diminishing his powers is not good enough either. You know, uh, I think the Republicans were in Obama's second term as president of the United States. I think, matter of fact, I know that the Republicans um, they dis- dis- diminished his powers. They took away some of his powers. He wasn't as strong. He wasn't as strong as uh, Trump is now. I think the Republicans in Congress should limit some of Donald Trump's power in pardoning pardoning criminals and letting thugs who are guilty, who have pleaded guilty, back out on the streets because they were loyal to him. Because not, not if they're loyal to him, but if they are, you know, uh, if they lie for him, if they commit perjury for him to keep his ass out of jail, he's going to go back and pardon them. I mean, I've said that probably a thousand times. It's just so wrong. It is just so wrong. It is just so wrong, so wrong. I understand that Illinois, uh, former Illinois gov- governor, Robert Goyevich, uh Trump is thinking about commuting his sentence. And his wife is ecstatic. She is ecstatic knowing that her husband can get his sentence commuted. Wow. That means that, that Rob Rogoidvich will be coming home maybe, you know, pretty soon. If not immediately, right? I, I don't know. Trump putting these people out on the street. One of the things for Robert Gordon, I don't think he deserved 14 years in jail. I think he was just for just talking, for just saying things. 
there was no money uh, involved, exchange. There was no uh, homicide or, or anything like that. It's just that the judge gave him too much time for nothing. 14 years in prison for saying, for talking, basically talking. Talking. Talking and saying things that all politicians do. And I've always said the reason why uh, Rob Begovich went to jail, not, not for talking. He went to jail because they didn't like him. They did not like him at all. The people loved him. The people who voted for him, put him in office, they loved him. But the politicians around him that he worked with and had to talk to and had to deal with, they didn't like it, period. That's why he got that. And the judge, and the judge who sentenced him to 14 years in prison for just talking on the phone, he didn't like him either. I mean, I think the judge who... Uh, Sentence Rob Begorbich, if I can say his name, to 14 years in prison, overstepped his power. He abused his power as a judge simply because he didn't like uh, Rod and he maybe he wanted some attention. But other than that, I think that uh, Trump's partnering people um, who deserve to be locked up heartening folks who who have pleaded guilty and should be in jail, I think it's appalling. And I do believe uh, that he is sending a message. He's sending a message. And it is totally blatant obstruction of justice. Once again. Once again. Um, if he's guilty of anything, is obstruction of justice. If anything should get him is obstruction of justice. But I don't know if anything is going to get Ron McGorvich because we have a Republican Congress and they're just sitting on their ass letting Donald Trump uh, abuse his power and, uh, and letting him get away with anything because they themselves are crooks, thugs. And <laughs> there must be, there have to be a um, blue wave coming a blue wave coming because Trump, <laughs> I think this is dumb what he's doing. And uh, I think his power needs to be curtailed. His power needs to be limited. You know, so uh, we'll just have to see where this goes, folks. I, 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 I'm with you. I think this is just awful. Him letting Donald Trump letting all these folks out of jail uh, who deserve to be there, letting the crooks back on the street, letting the crooks and thugs back on the street because he's trying to send a message to those who are cooperating with the Mueller investigation, telling them, hey, uh, take your punishment, but I'll come along and I'll pardon you. That's what it seems like. And with Donald Trump, you figure they're not going to admit that uh, they're doing this. They're not going to admit to Donald Trump sending a message. I mean, these are, a bu these are a bunch of liars. But we, the public, we 
can figure these things out because we know what Donald Trump is like. All right, folks, one thing that I do know, the American people did not choose or vote for uh, did not choose or vote for Donald Trump. It was the Electoral College, gerrymandering and the Russians that gave Donald Trump to us. If there's anything that's fake, if there's anything at all that's fake, it's Donald Trump. And uh, you know how Donald Trump loves to call things fake. And a lot of people are saying maybe we should get rid of the Electoral College. And there are so many people who don't even know what the Electoral College is. Well, this is what the Electoral College is all about. About the Electoral College and why it matters. All right. I know this doesn't sound like the most sensational topic of the day, but stay with me because I promise you it's one of the most important. To explain why requires a very brief civics review. The President and Vice President of the United States are not chosen by a nationwide popular vote of the American people. Rather, they are chosen by 538 electors, 
This process is spelled out in the United States Constitution. Why didn't the founders just make it easy and let the presidential candidate with the most votes claim victory? Why did they create and why do we continue to need this electoral college? The answer is critical to understanding not only the electoral college, but also America. The founders had no intention of creating a pure majority rule democracy. They knew from careful study of history what most have forgotten today or never learned. Pure democracies do not work. They implode. Democracy has been colorfully described as two wolves and a lamb voting on what's for dinner. In a pure democracy, bare majorities can easily tyrannize the rest of a country. The founders wanted to avoid this at all costs. This is why we have three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. It's why each state has two senators, no matter what its population, but also different numbers of representatives based entirely on population. It's why it takes a supermajority in Congress and three-quarters of the states to change the Constitution. And it's why we have the Electoral College. Here's how the Electoral College works. The presidential election happens in two phases. The first phase is purely democratic. We hold 51 popular elections every presidential election year, one in each state and one in D.C. On election day in 2012, you may have thought you were voting for Barack Obama or Mitt Romney, but you were really voting for a slate of presidential electors. In Rhode Island, for example, if you voted for Barack Obama, you voted for the state's four Democratic electors. If you voted for Mitt Romney, you were really voting for the state's four Republican electors. Part two of the election is held in December, and it is this December election among the state's 538 electors, right. not the November election, which officially determines the identity of the next president. At least 270 votes are needed to win. Why is this so important? because the system encourages coalition building and national campaigning. In order to win, a candidate must have the support of many different types of voters from various parts of the country. Winning only the South or the Midwest is not good enough. You cannot win 270 electoral votes if only one part of the country is supporting you. But if winning were only about getting the most votes, a candidate might concentrate all of his efforts in the biggest cities or the biggest states. Why would that candidate care about what people in West Virginia or Iowa or Montana think? But, you might ask, isn't the election really only about the so-called swing states? Actually, no. If nothing else, safe and swing states are constantly changing. California voted safely Republican as recently as 1988. Texas used to vote Democrat. Neither New Hampshire nor Virginia used to be swing states. Most people think that George W. Bush won the 2000 election because of Florida. Well, sort of, but he really won the election because he managed to flip one state which the Democrats thought was safe, West Virginia. Its four electoral votes turned out to be decisive. No political party can ignore any state for too long without suffering the consequences. Every state, and therefore every voter in every state, is important. The Electoral College also makes it harder to steal elections. Votes must be stolen in the right state in order to change the outcome of the Electoral College. With so many swing states, this is hard to predict and hard to do. But without the Electoral College, any vote stolen in any precinct in the country could affect the national outcome, 
even if that vote was easily stolen in the bluest California precinct or the reddest Texas one. The Electoral College is an ingenious method of selecting a president for a great, diverse republic such as our own. It protects against the tyranny of the majority, encourages coalition building, and discourages voter fraud. Our founders were proud of it. We can be too. I'm Tara Ross for Prager University. All right, thank you. Michael, the triple threats to Donald Trump's presidency are all on full display. His lies about hush money paid to a porn star, the investigation into possible collusion with... All I wanted was a much-deserved promotion. And he told me to get up on the desk and spread them. All the men in my office wrote down on a piece of paper the sexual favors that I could do for them. All I had asked for was an office with a window. I asked for his advice about how I could get a bill out of committee. He asked me if I brought my knee pads. Those are just a few of the horrific stories that I heard from women over the last year as I've been investigating workplace sexual harassment. And what I've found out is that it's an epidemic across the world. It's a horrifying reality for millions of women when all they want to do every day is go to work. Sexual harassment doesn't discriminate. You can wear a skirt, hospital scrubs, army fatigues. You can be young or old, married or single, black or white. You can be a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. I heard from so many women, police officers, members of our military, financial assistants, actors, engineers, lawyers, bankers, accountants, teachers, journalists. Sexual harassment, it turns out, is not about sex. It's about power and about what somebody does to you to try and take away your power. And I'm here today to encourage you to know that you can take that power back. On July 6, 2016, I jumped off a cliff all by myself. It was the scariest moment of my life, an excruciating choice to make. I fell into an abyss all alone, not knowing what would be below. But then something miraculous started to happen. Thousands of women started reaching out to me to share their own stories of pain and agony and shame. They told me that I became their voice. They were voiceless. And suddenly I realized that even in the 21st century, every woman still has a story. Like Joyce, a flight attendant supervisor whose boss in meetings every day would tell her about the porn that he'd watched the night before while drawing penises on his notepad. She went to complain. She was called crazy and fired. Like Joanne, Wall Street banker, her male colleagues would call her that vile C-word every day. 
She complained, labeled a troublemaker, never to do another Wall Street deal again. Like Elizabeth, an army officer, her male subordinates would wave one-dollar bills in her face and say, "Dance for me." And when she went to complain to a major, he said, "What? Only one dollar? You're worth at least five or ten." After reading, replying to all, and crying over all of these emails, I realized I had so much work to do. Here are the startling facts: one in three women that we know of have been sexually harassed in the workplace. Seventy-one percent of those incidences never get reported. Why? Because when women come forward, they're still called liars and troublemakers, and demeaned, and trashed, and demoted, and blacklisted, and fired. Reporting sexual harassment can be, in many cases, career-ending. Of all the women that reached out to me, almost none are still today working in their chosen profession, and that is outrageous. I too. Was silent in the beginning. It happened to me at the end of my year as Miss America, when I was meeting with a very high-ranking TV executive in New York City. I thought he was helping me throughout the day, making a lot of phone calls. We went to dinner, and in the back seat of a car, he suddenly lunged on top of me and stuck his tongue down my throat. I didn't realize that to get into the business, silly me. He also intended to get into my pants. And just a week later, when I was in Los Angeles, meeting with a high-ranking publicist, it happened again, again in a car. And he took my neck in his hand, and he shoved my head so hard into his crotch I couldn't breathe. These are the events. That suck the life out of all of your self-confidence. These are the events that, until recently, I didn't even call assault. And this is why we have so much work to do. After my years, Miss America, I continued to meet a lot of well-known people. Including Donald Trump. When this picture was taken in 1988, nobody could have ever predicted where we'd be today. <laughs> Me fighting to end sexual harassment in the workplace. He, President of the United States, in spite of it. And shortly thereafter, I got my first gig in television news in Richmond, Virginia. Check out that confident smile with the bright pink jacket. Not so much the hair. I was working so hard to prove that blondes have a lot of brains. But ironically, one of the first stories I covered was the Anita Hill hearings in Washington D.C., and shortly thereafter, I too was sexually harassed in the workplace. I was covering a story in rural Virginia, and when we got back into the car, my cameraman started saying to me. Wondering how much I had enjoyed when he touched my breasts when he put the microphone on me, and it went downhill from there. I was bracing myself against the passenger door. This was before cell phones. 
I was petrified. I actually envisioned myself rolling outside of that door as the car was going 50 miles per hour, like I'd seen in the movies, and wondering how much it would hurt. When the story about Harvey Weinstein came to light, one of the most well-known movie moguls in all of Hollywood, the allegations were horrific. But so many women came forward, and it made me realize what I had done meant something. He had such a lame excuse. He said he was a product of the '60s and '70s, and that that was the culture then. Yeah, that was the culture then, and unfortunately, it still is. Why? Because of all the myths that are still associated with sexual harassment. Women should just take another job and find another career. Yeah, right. Tell that to the single mom working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, who's also being sexually harassed. Women, they bring it on themselves by the clothes that we wear and the makeup that we put on. Yeah, I guess those hoodies that Uber engineers wear in Silicon Valley are just so provocative. Women make it up. Yeah, because it's so fun and rewarding to be demeaned and taken down. I would know. Women bring these claims because they want to be famous and rich. Our own president said that. I bet Taylor Swift, one of the most well-known and richest singers in the world, didn't need more money or fame when she came forward with her groping case for one dollar. And I'm so glad she did. Breaking news: the untold story about women and sexual harassment in the workplace. Women just want a safe, welcoming, and harass-free environment. That's it. So, how do we go about getting our power back? I have three solutions. Number one, we need to turn bystanders and enablers into allies. 98% of United States corporations right now have sexual harassment training policies. 70% have prevention programs. But still, overwhelmingly, bystanders and witnesses don't come forward. In 2016, the Harvard Business Review called it the bystander effect. And yet, remember 9/11? Millions of times we've heard. If you see something, say something. Imagine how impactful that would be if we carried that through to bystanders in the workplace regarding sexual harassment. To recognize and interrupt these incidences. To confront the perpetrators to their face. To help and protect the victims. This is my shout out to men. We need you in this fight. And to women too, enablers, to allies. Number two, change the laws. How many of you out there know whether or not you have a forced arbitration clause in your employment contract? Not a lot of hands. And if you don't know, you should. And here's why. Time magazine calls it right there on the screen: the teeny tiny little print in contracts that keeps. Sexual harassment claims unheard. 
Here's what it is. Forced arbitration takes away your Seventh Amendment right to an open jury process. It's secret. You don't get the same witnesses or depositions. In many cases, the company picks the arbitrator for you. There are no appeals, and only 20% of the time does the employee win. But again, it's secret, so nobody ever knows what happened to you. This is why I've been working so diligently on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. to change the laws. And here's what I tell the senators: Sexual harassment is apolitical. Before somebody harasses you, they don't ask you if you're a Republican or Democrat first. They just do it, and this is why we should all care. Number three, be fierce. It starts when we stand tall, and we build that self-confidence, and we stand up and we speak up, and we tell the world what happened to us. I know it's scary, but let's do it for our kids. Let's stop this for the next generations. I know that I did it for my children. They were paramount in my decision making about whether or not I would come forward. My beautiful children, my 12-year-old son Christian, my 14-year-old daughter Kaya, and boy, did I underestimate them. The first day of school last year happened to be the day my resolution was announced, and I was so anxious about what they would face. And my daughter came home from school, and she said, "Mommy, so many people asked me what happened to you over the summer." And then she looked at me in the eyes, and she said, "And mommy, I was so proud to say that you were my mom." And two weeks later, when she finally found the courage to stand up to two kids who'd been making her life miserable. She came home to me and she said, "Mommy, I found the courage to do it because I saw you do it." You see, giving the gift of courage is contagious, and I hope that my journey has inspired you. Because right now it's the tipping point. We are watching history happen. More and more women are coming forward and saying, "Enough is enough." Here's my one last plea to companies: Let's hire back all those women whose careers were lost because of some random jerk. Because here's what I know about women: we will no longer be underestimated, intimidated, or set back. We will not be silenced by the ways of the establishment or the relics of the past. No. We will stand up, and speak up, and have our voices heard. We will be the women we were meant to be. And above all, we will always. Be fierce. Thank you. Wanda Junior Show is now on the air. You are my pride and joy, and I just love you, love you, darling. I like the baby boy, loves his toy. You've got kisses sweeter than honey. You are my pride and joy, and I'm telling the world.
All right, analysts, friends in high places, how Trump uses the power of the pardon. And as I've said uh, a moment ago, that he's using, he's sending a message. This is what Trump does. He's saying to his uh, friends, acquaintances, everybody who is talking to Mueller, or will talk to Mueller, that it's okay for them to lie. It's okay for them to commit perjury under oath. Because if they do, and they end up in prison, he will pardon them. He will get them out. There's no other way to disseminate this. There's no other way to say why Trump is doing this. We all know Trump. We know he's a big, bald-faced liar. He doesn't give a damn about the laws in this country or any other country, but especially in America. And if they try to say that this is not true, they're lying. And so many people are saying they will never, ever believe a thing that comes out of Trump's mouth. I can't believe anything that comes out of Trump's mouth or anybody who is associated with Donald Trump. They get on TV. I mean, they're on TV uh, running off at the mouth. I, I don't pay, pay it no attention. Trump has told too many lies. This uh, administration is too damn corrupt and criminal. And Trump will say anything, do anything to stay in power and to stay out of prison. And this is what he's doing. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. John, John Boehner has came out of hiding. Let's see what he says. Okay, Boehner is saying Trump takeover of the GOP, the Republican Party, is kind is kind of taking a nap. <laughs> okay, I, I admit Trump is, isn't doing anything. They're not getting anything done. And Trump shouldn't be able to get anything done until the until this investigation is over. He shouldn't be able to pardon anyone. He should not be able to do executive orders. He should not be meeting with world leaders, embarrassing the United States. He shouldn't be doing anything but sitting on his ass with his mouth shut and waiting on the outcome of this investigation, as the Republicans in Congress are doing, because they're not impeaching him. But Trump, if you think about it, Trump should be impeached just for telling lies to the American people and trying to bullshit the American people, conning the American people. He should go to jail just for me. He should be thrown out of office just for lying uh, to the American people because so many of his lies are so provable. He'll lie, and it's, it's like nothing to Donald Trump. I think I've read somewhere or heard somewhere where people are saying Donald Trump actually believes what he's saying. That's why he keeps lying. 
Well then, well, then if he actually believed his own lies, he should not be president of the United States. He should be in a, a doctor's office somewhere. He should not be president of the United States if he believes his own lies. There's, because there's a mental disconnect, psychiatrist or something. I mean, he should be seeing someone. someone who is uh, experienced in trying to get people to tell the truth <laughs> or find out why they lie, you know. But I've, I'm, I've heard that Trump has been lying since he was a teenager. I mean, when since he was very, very, very young, and I believe it. Because anybody could, that can tell over 3,000 lies, 3,050 lies probably, uh, has been lying all their life and steadily. And said, this is, there's no doubt about it. This is how he made his money. This is how he became a billionaire. If he is a billionaire, we don't know if Trump is a billionaire. We don't know. He may be broke for all we know. He may be laundering money from Russia for all we know. We haven't seen his taxes. And that's another thing that's pissing people off. They want to see his taxes. But obviously, uh there is something wrong there. He won't show them, and and the Republicans in Congress, they got their hands on it, but they're not going to uh, release it because they don't want Donald Trump to go to jail. They don't want him to be impeached. They want him to stay in office so he can sign whatever bill they shove in front of his face. But these pardons, uh, of these crooks and thugs and putting criminals back on the street, this is a message. That's all it is. And if they deny it, they're lying again. This is a message. It's an awful message. It's an awful message, excuse me. Uh, and it's an awful message, but, you know, it is a message. And um, we'll just see where this goes. All righty, the George Wilder Jr. Show, broadcasting live from um, the city of Chicago. Uh, it's still beautiful weather out here, folks, and I hope it's beautiful wherever you are. And I hope you're feeling great. I hope you're feeling positive and not being depressed. I mean, when you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, there's no time to be depressed. <laughs> it's time to shake a leg. Here is um, George Carlin on getting old, <laughs> something we could use, right? All righty. Is it working or not? Effects of aging in, in real life. Yeah, you can make fun of it. I mean, sometimes you have, yeah, you can. Um, it's, it's kind Why of don't a, it's we a given. Do There's nothing you can do about it, so you might as well make fun. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. I am confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. The important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. 
As I reported here as long ago as April 4th, the most specifically qualified expert alive on the subject of prosecuting a president, my friend, the Nixon White House counsel John Dean, put it to me very simply. Mueller is not shooting down. Mueller does not make a deal with Flynn to get Paul Manafort. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Jared Kushner. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Trump Jr. Mueller makes a deal with Flynn to get Donald Trump, period. The Flynn deal report suggests Mueller has completely assembled the backbone of his case and is now just hanging the meat from it. And just as importantly, if Flynn has merely considered a deal from Mueller, it almost necessarily means Flynn either doesn't believe he would get a pardon from Trump or that Mueller, as I've also reported here, has succeeded in finding a way around Trump's pardon power. And either of these near certainties spell Trump's doom. So that's the most obvious of the seven ways for Trump to go now. Mueller really will get him on Russia. It will be ugly and it will tear this country nearly apart, but it will be necessary. The second way is, as I've also repeatedly suggested here, that Mueller doesn't really need to prove anything about Trump and Russian sabotage of the election. There seems to be so much obstruction of justice from the firing of James Comey to the lies about Trump Jr.'s meetings with the Russians, that it's hard to pick out a key player in the Trump inner circle who could not be guilty of it. Trump could be impeached on just obstruction of justice and a few lesser charges. Nixon was about to be. Or there is a third way. We could be spared the trauma of a Russia impeachment or an obstruction of justice impeachment as we were spared it with Nixon if Trump is smart or just sufficiently scared enough and he resigns, or if he isn't, those around him who could still sell themselves by selling him out will force him to resign. A modified version of this, of course, is the fourth possible outcome, that even if Mueller is months away from his denouement, the Republicans will impeach or remove Trump by spring purely to save their own asses. The state elections in Virginia and Oklahoma earlier this month show what could face Republican incumbents nationwide next November. Not only were Democratic victories overwhelming, but half of them were little morality plays. The 26-year-old lesbian beats the Republican in the district Trump won by nearly 40 points a year ago. The transgendered candidate in Virginia beats the guy who wrote an anti-equality bathroom bill. The boyfriend of a news reporter shot to death on camera beats the Republican pro-NRA candidate. I'll say it again. Richard Nixon was not forced out of office by Democrats, not really even by Watergate. Democrats controlled the Senate and the House every day Richard Nixon was president. They could have impeached him at any point. He resigned when the leading Republicans went into the White House and told him that not only would he be impeached and convicted, but he would take all of them down with him and they were not going to let him do that. So that's the fourth way out. Trump becomes more of an albatross to Republicans and more importantly more of a rallying cry to Democrats and the Republicans remove him before the midterms and then boastfully run for re-election on having removed him. The fifth endgame is the same thing only faster. The Republicans around him pull off that palace coup that is perfectly legal under the 25th Amendment and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell eject Trump by simply stating he is unfit and getting their majorities to agree he's unfit. And if you don't think Pence and Ryan and McConnell would do that, you didn't see Trump's crazy tweet about the Man of the Year award or this thing in front of the Native Americans on Monday, and you don't know Pence and Ryan and McConnell. 
The sixth means by which Trump leaves early is, of course, that if the Republicans don't impeach Trump before the midterms, the Democrats will be able to after the midterms. If Virginia and New Jersey and Oklahoma are indicators, the Democrats could take the House and might need as few as 25 vulnerable Republicans in the Senate to vote guilty to remove Trump from office. But now there is a seventh new path to destruction for Trump, and it has bubbled up from the sewer of his life recently. And even with how Teflon he has been on this particular subject, it seems hard to believe the dam won't break. His sexual conduct as not one snowball, but a decade's worth of them have come down that hill, wiping out all the sleaze bags and emboldening and empowering the victims. It seems impossible to believe that some claimant somewhere does not have tangible evidence against Trump and that they won't say to hell with it and break one of those non-disclosure agreements and Trump will suddenly be envying Harvey Weinstein. Trump himself inadvertently has hinted at this. The New York Times buried the lead on this over the weekend. But it reported that earlier this year, Trump told a senator that the Access Hollywood pussy grabber tape was a fake. And he has said the same thing again recently to a White House staffer. He's obviously trying to work the refs of public opinion in advance for whatever is coming next, from a woman here or from Russia. So, I don't see any way out for Trump. Seven freight trains rushing at him. He might avoid a few. He might avoid six of them. He's not going to dance his way out from under all seven. And we, I think, should try to put ourselves in the mindset of those Americans who knew Richard Nixon was guilty as hell after John Dean finished testifying on June 27, 1973. But we're all left Trump wondering if there would ever be a way to hell. prove it. And we're left listening to a majority of the country saying Dean was lying and left watching nearly the entirety of the gullible news media saying this was nonsense. Why would a president, even one as crazy as Nixon, ever do this? And more importantly, even if he were somehow guilty, how would he ever be dumb enough to leave any evidence of his guilt? And 16 days later, it turned out Virtually everything in the Oval Office had been taped, and the ballgame was over, even though it would last another 13 months. Well, this ballgame is also over, and I don't think it's going to last another 13 months. And so this series is over. This was intended as something temporary, a two-month project by somebody who had given up politics. And instead it became 187 commentaries and around 225,000 words and something approaching 400 million views. And I am proud of it, and I repudiate none of it, and it has been my privilege to do it, and I'm especially proud to have done these videos for free and for charity. But frankly, I have not enjoyed one minute of it. As I'm certain it has also been for you, for me, it has been unadulterated pain and revulsion and horror. The process has become nearly 24-7, and I've said so much that I can and have recycled old commentaries from months ago, and they have been fully applicable to breaking news. We've come full circle to such a complete degree that on Sunday, Trump tweeted a complaint about, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. The title of the 46th episode of The Resistance from last March 14th was, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. I've made my point. So now that I think the outcomes, the seven different inevitable outcomes, are unavoidable, I'd like to go back and enjoy some of my life again, and I'm going to. All right. No, illness, uh, Keith no scandal, no firing. Just, yeah, I've said what I've had to say. It was I'm as back. obvious as I made it seem. 
I give my work everything I can, so it's not like I can dial it back. Obviously. And I think even this dim-witted world of American political TV reporting, which is still calculating how to get Trump's idiot supporters to watch their networks and still waiting for Trump to pivot, even it can carry this the rest of the way. So I am retiring from political commentary in all media venues. This is not to say a bed of roses and reconciliation awaits us. The post-Trump America will be relieved of his prodigious evil, but in its place it will have Trump as living martyr. That prodigious evil and rank hypocrisy and immorality of his supporters, perhaps a third of us, will not vanish with him, and I'm not sure that the democracy has not been damaged too much to deal with their lawless, unprincipled rebellion, and I do not see this country's politics truly healing in the next 30 or 40 years. But at least the bleeding will be staunched. And we will have a chance to alter a phrase I heard somewhere to make America, America again. Thank you for all the kind words and all the support. Have fun storming the castle. My work here is done. Matter of fact. All right. Thanks, Keith. Your 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Clearing my throat. Obama says we are divided, or we will be divided, or and democracy is in peril, uh, in trouble. He says we're divided. Obama, we know. I, I want to say something to Obama. Obama, we know we're divided. Trump is the one who has divided us. We need your voice, uh, Obama. We need your leadership to help to try to undivide us. Because in this fight that, that the American people have with Donald Trump, we have yet to hear anything positive from, Donald, from uh, Obama. Obama, as you can re recall in his presidential years, he, he was always taking the high road. Yeah, uh, the Republicans called Michelle Ape also, you know, uh, just like uh, uh, Roseanne Barr uh, recently stated that Valerie Jarrett was an ape. Uh, the, the problem here is that I don't hear any leadership coming from Obama. He comes out of his shell once in a while to make a statement, some, to say something that we already know and that we know it's a problem. But if we had a voice like Obama out here railing against the Trump administration, being on side and being supportive of the American people and what we think, that would be great. Obama, we know we're divided. Stop hiding under the bed. Stop coming out every month or so saying this or saying that. But you know what? saying this and saying that and not being a participant in trying to take our country back. But I'm going to say this. Uh, as, soon as, a, as soon as we, the American people, take our country back, you, you're going to see people like Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Michelle Obama, uh, other uh, former presidents and senators and, and representatives come out and try to take credit for what the American people has done. They're going to be talking their asses off soon as there is a blue wave and we take both houses and we vote Donald Trump out in 2020. I mean, they're going to come out and say, Hey, wow, you know, uh, we did it. And they're going to try and take some kind of, um, credit for it. The credit could be just getting on television and showing their faces because of what we did or what we will do. We need leaders to come out right now, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, and rail hard against Donald Trump. These people have great big microphones. They will be heard all over the universe. Come out and, and you know, and just start being with the American people. And no one, I don't think, I, I'm not an enemy of Nancy Pelosi. She said people who want her out of office are her enemies. No, Nancy Pelosi is 78 years old, maybe going on 70. I think she's too young, uh, too old, excuse me, too young. Well, <laughs> she's um, too old, you know. Uh, I, and I don't think she's the right leadership for the country. I, I really don't. I really don't. 
I think she has her own agenda. She has what she wants to do, and she's not going to do what we want her to do. So we need great, great leaders. We need Barack Obama. A lot of people thought Obama was going to be another uh, uh, Martin Luther King. No way. Or Megar Evers or, or, or a uh, Malcolm X. No way. Or any leader, period. Obama is too busy. I believe he's too busy trying to take the high road. But America is in deep shit, Obama. We need your voice. We don't need you to come out and tell us something that we already know. There's so many people out here who actually love Obama, you know, and he knows it. It is so many people out here who wish Obama was still president. Even I do. I mean, I have problems with him. I've had problems with him for a long time. But even I wish he was still president. You know, I mean, especially compared to what we have already in Donald Trump. Anybody, any Democrat would be better than what we have already uh, in the White House. But there is no doubt America needs leadership. We need someone with a big voice, a big microphone, someone who is highly visible, someone who's not afraid to stand up to Donald Trump, someone who is not afraid to tell it like it is, pull no punches, someone who is not afraid to get in a big fight, someone who is readily recognizable, where people who all around America who will follow. I mean, I've been on Facebook for a, for a number of years, and I run into people who need leadership. If you tell them to do something, they will do it. If you tell them to be somewhere at a particular time, they will do it, especially if they see that what you're trying to show them and, and where you're trying to lead them is going to better their lives, going to better the country. They are they are there for uh, uh, for anything because some people are not leaders. Let's be fair. Some people are not leaders. A lot of people are just plain old followers. You lead, they follow. However, uh, you know, follow following is not. I, I don't recommend that for anybody because we need leaders, but. Some people are just, their DNA is just as a follower. So you have to kind of lead them in the directions that they want to go. America needs leadership. There's no doubt about it. Against this this rotten, low-down administration with a con man, a bully, a buffoon, somebody who's stupid. I mean, you can tell that you can tell they're stupid by reading all all of those ignorant ass tweets. I don't I don't even read his tweets anymore because they're full of lies. One thing about Donald Trump, every time he lies, you know, <laughs> he just seemed to go on about his business, wrecking the country. Every time he lies, and every time we catch him in the lie, and this is why I keep saying this guy's should be impeached, thrown out of office, maybe in jail just for lying to the American people. 
that we don't have to wait for Robert Mueller to get done with his investigation. We know Trump is guilty. He know he's guilty. The people in Congress know he's guilty. The Republicans all everywhere know he's guilty. We don't really need Mueller's investigation to tell us uh, that he's guilty. But I understand Mueller. He's trying to get evidence. He's trying to get mountains and mountains of evidence, even though uh, we do believe that he has this evidence. But there's no doubt about it. Trump is totally, totally guilty of everything that uh, he's being accused of. And he's trying his best to stay in power by lying, you know, threatening people and name calling and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, No, I do not want my kids to look up to Trump. Trump is no no one's role model. We know that he is not a role model. He is some. Uh, he is a person you tell your kids not to be like. He he's an example of a uh, of a president that you do not want your son, your daughter, or anybody you know to emulate. It's not good. It's bad. Trump is no one's role model, believe me. And I don't think he gives a fuck about being a role model. He's just a criminal. And he and his crimes are coming to roost. Just a criminal. Heaven help the child who never had a home. Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone Heaven help the roses if the bombs begin to fall Heaven help the black man if he struggles one more day Heaven help the white man if he turns back away
from the mighty and the mighty from the small. Tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show, callers, uh, guests, uh, thank you so much. And join me uh, Monday. We'll be off uh, for a few days, but you can enjoy plenty of podcasts on this uh, broadcast on this station. Uh, George Wilder Jr.'s podcast. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, enjoy your day, enjoy your evening, enjoy your weekend, whichever one comes first. And remember to always vote blue.